All right, we're live. We're live. It's splendid. That's great. It's resplendent. Resplendent? Mm-hmm. Is that something? That is something. That's actually a word. And now if our, our listeners, which you won't put this in the episode, but if they were to, to, to listen to this, resplendent means attractive and impressive through being richly colorful or sumptuous. Isn't Sounds that great? Like, it's like, it's, you could probably uh, just say like, you got riz. What? Yeah. That's like the Gen Z term. It's like, I didn't know that you got Riz. You know this way better than I do. I've never heard of this. Where does that? Where does Riz come from? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Okay. All right. Well, no. You know. Let's anyway. let's move past it. Let's move past this. Fun. We're just gonna move on. Hello, everybody, and welcome to this bonus episode of Prog Notes. My name is Destin, and I'm Drew, and today. I would like to share with you all some records from the 1970s that I enjoy. And our Discord server is currently creating a daily album of the year type of list. And so I decided to just share some possibly unknown gems from 1970 to 1979. And my hope in this episode is that you are going to finish listening to this record or finish listening to this episode having a record that you're going to go check out. Uh, and hopefully I pique your interest or because of Drew and I's conversation, we, uh, our goal is to get you to find another record that you uh, may enjoy that comes out of this wonderful era of progressive rock. And so, um, Drew, I guess I'll just jump right into this. I don't think there's anything else that really needs to be explained. No, no, I, I'll, I'll go ahead and applause you. You've already piqued my interest with a couple of these. For everyone who like doesn't know, I, I, I didn't know about this list until like a couple days ago. So this is kind of fresh for me too. This is Destin's picks. And yeah. some of these are, are real underground, underground. That's yeah, all it's I'm underground, underground. There you go. I was going to say underground it's... gems, but some of these I'm like, okay, it's cool. I, I wouldn't call it a gem, but it's yeah. interesting and, and cool. Sure. Yeah, somebody's but, uh, ought to like it. So, oh yeah, um, you know what I'm saying. It's like the stratosphere of the Earth. I don't, I'm like not. It, it, I'm not it, even going to entertain whatever that metaphor was supposed to be. No, no, no. What I'm saying is that like it's the stratosphere, which is obviously in the air, but downward into the Earth. Like that's how underground it is. Oh, okay. Yeah. Is that sure? <laughs> Does that not work? I, I don't know. I'm too you tired like to, to, to really dig <laughs> to dig too deep into whatever that's supposed Drew, to be. But I get what you're saying. It's yes. it's it's underground. <laughs> it's underground. It's the stratosphere of the earth. Um, that's unreal. I don't even know. Anyway, okay. So yeah, I was just going through my uh like my Spotify saved playlists and stuff like that, and then some like albums that I you know just own digitally, and was like, I just need to go through and like find a couple of things from each year. So I did one from 1970 through 1979 of something that I was like, oh, you know, maybe, I don't know. Somebody may not know about this album. And uh, they're not these. So let me just point it. this. I guess this is probably uh, uh, a good thing to say. This, These are not my favorite records from 1970 to 1979. These are just records that I believe that uh, some people may have not have heard of. And therefore, you can check it out. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, 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 absolutely. You could, check, you could just check it out if, you, if you'd like yeah. to. So you ready? You want to start with 1970? Yeah, I'm ready. All right. Uh, and I'm going to actually play a track from each record so you guys can get a glimpse in kind of a, a sample size of a bite-sized sample of each album <laughs> from this era. Okay, here we go. 1970 is Affinity uh, by Affinity. It's their self-titled record. So Affinity... 
uh, was a British band that was active from mid-1968 to about January 1972. They recorded one album during this period, and it's self-titled, uh, which was actually pretty well-received by the critics. And uh, despite their pretty brief career, like I said, they only did one record, um, I think that you know, leaves a pretty la a good lasting impression on on the prog rock scene. I'd actually, I actually really enjoy this record. So, Infinity Sound is, uh, I would say, an eclectic mix of blues rock with some jazz and some folk influences. Yes. And so they uh, they also feature some elements of like early 1970s psychedelia with like a Hammond organ uh, being omnipresent pretty throughout the whole record. Um, the sound's pretty characterized by its brassy tone, and their shows are known for their variety in soloing, so kind of like, you know, jam bandy type of thing. Yeah, um, I, I got a jam bandy sort of vibe just from a couple of the tracks that I had heard. Totally. Yeah, yeah it, it can be kind of jam bandy in a way. So um, I think this is a pretty superb achievement for just having one record. I, I think it sounds really great uh, coming from 1970. I think the musicianship's pretty great. The production's pretty awesome. Um, and uh, they've also, and this other thing as well, the uh, uh, the material has since been reissued on different CDs, and some of them have like studio demos and some full band rehearsals. So they've they've gathered some things together. And so, if you are a collector of like late '60s or early 1970s like blues tinged prog, um, I would highly recommend this album to you. It. It's interesting. A lot of the the tracks on here are covers. They're, yeah. They they did not write them, right? A yeah. lot. Of, some of them yeah. they did, right? But there are a, a good handful of these that are that are covers. So yeah. I, they've got you know. I, I wonder if I care as much by the Everly Brothers. Yep. They've got Mr. Joy by Annette Peacock and Paul Blay. Which, by the way, check out the original version of Mr. Joy. Okay. By Annette Peacock and Paul Blay. So Paul Blay had this cool, he was a cool innovator of kind of synthesizer technology. Nice. And anyways, just check out the original version of Mr. Joy by Annette Peacock. It's, you'll enjoy it, I think. Yeah, uh, no, that's it's great. very interesting. And then, okay. you know, they have stuff like on this record, like a Coconut Grove and then All Along the Watchtower. So they've yes, got Love so Spoonful and then Bob Dylan. Yep. So it's, yeah, it's, it's interesting. But yeah, they, they make it their own by adding this jam bandy thing and kind of improvising over different sections and lengthening these songs um, pretty cool also fun fact i don't know if you saw this too dustin that john paul jones of led zeppelin did some brass arrangements yep yeah yep pretty cool it grooves like it's just a, a fun it's a fun record yeah. a fun record so definitely worth checking out that's 1970 so now moving into 1971 we're going to be jumping straight into an album called samurai by Samurai. How about how about that? So, um, the story behind this band began in another band called The Web, and uh, they released three albums. And the lineup essentially added an additional sax player and changed their name to Samurai to create this album and the only one, <laughs> the only record that was yeah, underneath I, the Samurai's name. I saw some people say that this is essentially the last album of The Web rather than the first album of Samurai, yes. right? Yeah, exactly. So <laughs> uh, Samurai's music is uh, solid and energetic proto-prog. Um, if 
familiar with that with heavily infused jazz and R&B undertones. Um, it's moderately related to the Canterbury patterns. It has some extra psychedelic sensibility as well. And after adding that second brass player and lightening their sound, they continued down many of the same jazzy pathways as the predecessors. So, um, well, however, across the, the seven tracks of this record, they kind of meander down some it gets pretty diverse i guess you could say it's it's got some bluesy guitar offset with the brass uh improvisational jazz kind of stuff it even becomes like i said more r&b um it's got some wah-wah guitars and some stomping riffs and uh and of course the fun saxophone um so but in contrast to that it can also be soft and warm and shimmering like some of these these sections like the track that we're listening to right now um, the way I described it, I wrote this down. The way I described it here is a, a summer drizzle. That's what I wrote. <laughs> I get that. I yeah. Think, yeah, like yeah, a, yeah. Like a warm, like a summery. Yes. Summery rain. I, I, yes. It, you know? So, yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's nice. I like that. A yeah. summer rain. Summer Look rain. Look at that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Look at that. Um, and so uh, giving giving it kind of that whole like Canterbury thing, which I think that's that, sure. that sound kind of, yeah. So, um, but Records constantly mood altering, style twisting, uh, brings to mind uh, maybe some early uh, King Crimson, maybe some. Okay, okay, there. yeah. Wow, well, you know, I didn't draw that connection, but I see it 100%. Yeah. yeah. And so, so yeah, I, it's unique. I think it it's is. a unique record. I think it's also worth totally checking out. I, I would uh, I love reviews so I'll keep this brief but I, I gotta slip in a review here I, I like what they had said they said this is a very solid gym from a year in which prog rock was becoming a mature rock trend and leaving behind the proto approach but again keep in mind that samurai was still comfortable in that gray area where jazz rock symphonic prog and psychedelia were equal sources of musical energy yeah that's great that's great. Yeah. Anyways, I thought it, that was just really well said. Yeah, I love that. So it's good. It's a great record. I, again, I really enjoy this. Um, and a uh, fun fact, actually, the I wrote this down here. Where is this at? Um, the singer and the keyboardist, uh, Dave Lawson, would eventually join the band Green Slade. So I know, yep. I know some of our listeners are probably pretty familiar with that band. Um, Dave Lawson was, of course, you probably even recognize his voice here, but uh, he would eventually join Greenslade. So there's a little bit of a tie to another record or band that you may already know. So anyway, that is Samurai, 1971. Uh, moving on to 1972. 1972 is uh, Pern Un Amico. Pern Un Amico. Pern Un Amico by PFM. I already love this record because we've already talked about it. Uh, so big shout out to episode 31 of Prog Notes, where uh, we delved into this musical masterpiece, in my opinion, um, which is, uh, Per Un Amico is Italian for To A Friend. Uh, this was, of course, released in 1972 by the talented Italian band Premiata Forneria Marconi, or PFM. Uh, this album played a pretty pivotal role as a manifesto, I believe, of the RPI genre or subgenre um, rock progressivo italiano, basically just Italian prog rock. If you're not familiar, but they call it RPI if you look it up online. So um, it's not the first album 
of PFM or even of the RPI subgenre, but I think this record is probably one of the most influential records that come out of the RPI subgenre. So it's a unique blend of technical virtuosity and musical, I'm going to say musical emotional depth. Um, it's, you know, for a record, and, I, and there's another uh, RPI record that I have later in this list, but um, for not being able to understand the lyrics, for the music to be able to evoke such emotion that it does for me, I think that says something without being able to understand Italian. So yeah. that's, I, I, yeah. yeah. Um, so exceptional musicianship, compositional abilities. Um, it's got some hauntingly beautiful melodies on some of this, some of this record. Um, it's got something I really think for everybody and would highly recommend giving it a listen. And if you want to learn, learn a lot more about this record, you could go and check out episode 31 of Prog Notes, where we covered it. We talked about this album for like an hour, mm -hmm. um, talking through this stuff. So, um, yeah. And this is the, the, the title track that we're listening to right now is probably my favorite on the record, too. especially the ending session, the ending section with that guitar line. Mm -hmm. That is, oh gosh. And this riff. Yeah, this is a great riff. Yeah, it's so in the little yeah. piano. Ah, it's so good. Yeah, there's just, there's something all over, it's all over the place. Anyway, do you have anything to say on that? No, I, I, I enjoyed this record. It's one that I don't go back to like super frequently, but when I do, every now and then I will flip this on and I'll be like, oh yeah. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah, it's so yeah, good. It does hit. It does hit for sure. I it see does. what you mean. And that, like, just to echo what you said about the emotion, right? It, that's what I mean when I say it hits. It's just this, oof. Yeah. yeah. And, and yeah. like you said, tremendous musicianship. Um, yeah. yeah. Really, really it's, cool entry yeah. into the progressive rock catalog as as rpi yeah it's good yeah. stuff so anyway highly recommend checking it out that is from 1972 so now moving on to 1973 we're just gonna keep rolling here true are we doing well we're doing great we're doing great we're doing great we're doing okay. really great this is fantastic so 1973 this album is called grand hotel by procall harem so Grand Hotel is the sixth full-length studio album by the UK-based progressive rock band Pro Call Harem. Uh, the album, which was released through Chrysalis Records in March of 1973, showcases the band's evolution from their beginnings in Southend-on-Sea, Essex in 1967 as a split from the group called The Paramounts and Pro Call Harem's unique mix of classical influences and progressive rock i think is what earned them a place into kind of the progressive rock subgenre in a way um they were the first band to create a multi-movement suite that lasted an entire album side um their four by their fourth album uh, the sound had evolved to include elements of kind of, of hard rock as well so it has this kind of like softer classical strings that has then sort of shifted into the rock world. So um, they hadn't really, but they had a lot of hit uh, singles that they released um, and they disbanded in 1977, just a couple years after uh, this record. So I would highly recommend it to uh, some prog rock 
fans who may be interested in the birth and roots of progressive rock, as well as those that appreciate uh, symphonic orchestras. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and yeah, possibly they're... even some inventive use of symphonic orchestras. So Yeah. Yeah, I was about to say the symphonic influence is is oh, predominant it's strong. throughout the whole record. Yeah, you know, you've got the organs, keys, strings, you've got choirs, the voice, and some of I don't know, just the actual like rock compositions of this reminds me a bit of Jethro Tull. I don't know. Oh why. yeah, totally. It gives me, you know what I mean? Oh it yeah, gives me some Jethro 100%. Tull vibes. So yeah, 100%. they they kind of have this folk softer side to it, and then every now and then they'll bring in kind of harder rock, more distorted guitars here and there to add a lot of flavor but yeah uh, i i only heard a smattering here and there but yeah lots of yeah. symphonic influence it's interesting i when i uh played this for my wife actually i was playing just listening to this um and while writing out some of the, the description here and she thought it was musical theater like she thought it was something that was uh, <laughs> for a show sure and uh just with that sound of a lot of the the symphonic but then also just many of the the changes there's a lot of rhythmic changes and things that are happening in this and so um which makes for a fun listen um it can be a little chaotic in in certain ways but i think it makes for a fun listen um the only thing that i have a hard time is that i just i don't know i can't really get behind the vocals that's really the biggest thing for me i like the music but the vocals of this is not something that i would um you know go for let's just say that you know so anyway so that's 1973 grand hotel by Procol harem let's move on to 1974 this record is called sea sun s-e-a sun s-o-n by secret oyster and so if you are a fan of jazz rock fusion uh soft machine even like osric tentacles or the mahavishnu orchestra this is perfect for you um they come from denmark and uh, this record uh surprised me and i think it will surprise you upon the first listen um despite recorded being in 1974 the quality of everything here the musicians playing the tracks themselves the overall sound quality are excellent i mean they're excellent and each composition really delivers a dynamic sense of rhythm and just extremely uh, well put atmospheric arrangements um it features some eccentric kind of tripped out instrumentals with dense hyperactive rhythms and some solid organ and violin parts but then it also becomes more contemplative and brings some epic musical explorations um always rocking with some psychedelic uh influences there and additionally the album has sections of some really uh groovy ultra technical funkadelic i call them excursions because they kind of they kind of come back afterwards um with uh a non-stop I call it a kind of a dialogue between brass instruments throughout this whole record. And so um, it's a pretty, pretty great, beautiful landscape of musical just exploration, um, at least in the arena or world of jazz fusion or jazz rock. I would even say that if you're a fan of Steely Dan, 
you might even enjoy some of this as well. But um, yeah, would highly highly recommend taking the time to give it a listen. So, did you have a, have an opportunity to? Uh, I kind of sampled this track and some others and yeah it, it kind of flows and all I really had to say about it was kind of like it's a jazz rocky sort of deal there's some bluesy guitar jazz blues influence obviously so yeah. Uh, yeah yeah it's fun it's a fun album I wouldn't say that it was something that uh I spend a lot of time intentionally listening to but I mean I remember I was trying to think back to the last time that I listened to this record and I think I was probably like doing dishes or something in my house like it's just one of those things you just throw on and sure and it's just yeah it's just nice it's just nice to listen to so yeah that is sea sun by secret oyster in 1974 moving along this uh in 1975 this is the uh self-titled record of ambrosia by ambrosia and so if you are a fan of classic rock, uh, particularly like Sounds of Wishbone, Ash, or Steely Dan again, um, then I think you're in for a treat for, with this with this debut album. Um, offers a wonderful mix of progressive rock, uh, some clever pop genres, fantastic harmonies, uh, vocal harmonies, and instrumentation uh, that is uh, really enjoyable. So I actually, interestingly... I discovered this record way back uh, a couple of years ago when we did the 10th episode of Prognos, um, which was when we covered Tales of Tales of Mystery and Imagination for the Alan oh, Parsons okay. project. Okay, yeah, because Alan so, Parsons... Yeah. Yep, but also uh, all four members of this band was the band for that record. Oh, so, wow. Okay. Yeah, so all of the musicians of Ambrosia that played on this album played on tales of mystery and imagination interesting so alan yep. parsons alan parsons mixed this yes he did this album yes, he did and yeah so as, um, i guess he must have made connections there and then he used them for yep for and tales of mystery them. and imagination how cool them. yep yep so that's how i found out about them because you know and if you look into some of the research for that i i don't even think that the lead singer i don't think the lead singer sang on tales of mystery and imagination but i think he played guitar i think that was that's all he did um, what I think, though, uh, besides with the Alan Parsons connection and, and with Tales of Mystery and Imagination, um, what I think really sets this record apart is the innovative sound, the wide swings in tempo, uh, the luscious keyboard sounds, um, pretty great drum work, honestly. Uh, and, of course, with Alan Parsons mixing it, it sounds really good. Mm-hmm. Um, he's, a great, he's a great mixing engineer. So, uh, overall... 1975 record it's fun it's engaging um i think it'll transport you to a different era of music and uh, if you haven't given it a listen uh make sure you can check it out kind of ha- it has soft rock and like yacht rocky vibes so yeah. it's, it's kind of all over the it's kind of it, all over but the it map. is yeah but there's still like some some prog rhythms and riffs in here that are really cool so yeah it's it's definitely worth a list i mean even just the little bit that i heard i really enjoyed it but yeah very vocal centric yep yeah, yeah. and i and, and unlike pro call harem i really enjoy his vocals on oh it's, they're great uh, they're gorgeous the, yeah, yeah it, the lead singer but then also even just the vocal harmonies and things that are involved. yes they're great they're yeah and the really, background really vocals great. yeah yeah they're really great so anyway that is uh 1975 ambrosia 
by Ambrosia. So moving along to 1976, this album um, that I would recommend you checking out is Time Robber by Omega. And so Omega, uh, which I, I did some extra research on this just because I wanted to make sure I had, I didn't know a whole, a whole lot about the band. I've just known, I've just had the record saved in my uh, Spotify. Um, but I found out some information about them that I was like, oh, this is interesting. Um, they're regarded as the most successful rock band in Hungary. So they All were right. formed in, yep, they're formed in 1962 in Budapest. And uh, how I describe this, hold on, I wrote down some extra things here. Yeah, this is what I wrote down. Their music is a unique blend of Eastern European Prague, symphonic space rock, and psychedelia, which produces a dark orchestrated sound combined with extended improvisation. That's, that's nice. kind of how I describe nice. them. Uh, their first LP was released, th- or sorry, I think this is the first LP that was released in both Hungarian and English. So Time Robber, huh. which what I've uh, realized um, is that Time Robber is the English version of this. The Hungarian version is called like Idurablo or something like that, Omega Idurablo. Um, and it's funny because I, I went back when I was preparing for this and I went and listened to that and similar to like photos of ghosts with, uh, PFM with Pernanamico, you know, photos of ghosts was the English version of Pernanamico. I like the Hungarian version more. And I think it just, because it just, they're singing in their native language. It just makes more sense, honestly. Mm, sure. Um, and so if you're a fan of Eloy or you're looking for an Eloy alternative, yeah. this 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 band's definitely yeah. for you. Um, and uh, and I find it interesting because uh, I, I just, I don't know, the, the idea of listening to Hungarian space rock <laughs> sure. is kind of cool to me yeah. of just hearing like, what did 1976 sound like in the world of space rock in Hungary? This is it. This is it. Like, if you've ever wondered that. This, there, this there, is it. There, there's your answer. <laughs> if you're looking yeah. for this, it's, is it. So it, it's, it's cool. very reminiscent of Eloy, like you said. Yes. It's very yes. space rock, psychedelic, cosmic rock sort of deal. Yeah, yeah. And uh, and I'm trying to even think back to when did we do Ocean? I'm trying to think back to when we did that record. We we Gosh, covered. I don't know off the top of my head, but we did do an Eloy record. Yes, and that was, uh, episode that was, forty. Ocean. There we go. We yep. we did Ocean, Ocean. by Eloy. Yep. So uh, if you are already a fan of Eloy, um, we we covered Ocean back on episode 40 would highly recommend you go checking that out and uh, and then adding this on after you listen to ocean um, or listen to this and then go listen to ocean whatever you want to do i don't care just stop asking me dustin is everything okay i'm fine i'm fine drew you want to talk um, about anything no just, i just, just more I records just, okay I just, yeah All right. just just more records let's yeah let's, just let me keep pumping these records out oof. oh gosh long week huh Tough day at the office. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. 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 Jeez, man. Okay. 1977. I'm not even going to try and pronounce this, man. Forse le luciole non si amano più by Locanda della Fate. Gosh. Okay, great. That's fantastic, man. Praise God. I don't have to say anything. Uh, In English... Uh, that is maybe fireflies don't love each other anymore by the fairy inn. Uh, 
this is Italian. Just thought I'd throw that out there. You're probably wondering, to be honest. If you because, didn't. yeah, because my pronunciation was not great. Probably wondering. Really, was that Spanish? No. no. Uh, it was Italian. Uh, <laughs> me attempting. I'm just, it, was I'm just a, it was me attempting Honestly, it was, it was a way better attempt of, than I could have given. So, I, you know, props to that. Hey, thanks. Yeah, you're welcome. <laughs> hey, you know, thanks. Hey, you know, thanks. So, anyway, this, is, uh, this record is released in 1977. This is a great mix of Banco, PFM, uh, yes, Genesis, Camel. If if you're into all of that, uh, you'll you'll love this record. Even if you don't speak Italian and understand the lyrics, similar to the uh, you know the other RPI record that we already covered, the music alone evoke just great emotion and illustrating really its power. I, I think um, musically. And so, uh, if you enjoy uh, melodic symphonic rock um, with some vocals. You'll definitely like this record. Um, I so here's what I I think. Uh, let me actually go to my notes here. So I think that a lot of the the piano sounds uh, much like Tony Banks. Okay. And yeah. If, yeah. And if I was gonna make a comparison to any record that we've done or that people would p- potentially know, it would be Selling England by the Pound. Wow. I think. Okay. And so. Uh, the mini Moog that listen to right in there, yeah, has a pretty distinct Italian sound, which is very similar to the other progressive Italian bands in the 70s. Um, there's some really cool harpsichord parts, gives sort of a kind of a Baroque style. Um, it uh, sometimes the tracks contain delicate acoustic guitars, adds a folkier touch to the music. Uh, surprisingly, though, you know, the Hammond organ um, is pretty discreet as opposed to maybe stuff like early yes or even genesis in a way um but it's got some elaborate bass parts uh refined drum sounds it's it's pretty great it's probably um now i i say this like i've heard a ton of them and i haven't but it would probably be one of my favorite rpi records or italian proc rock records um up there with pernanamico um so this is a really this is a really cool record. I would highly re- highly recommend checking it out. And Drew, I think you're also a fan of this record too. Well, I only heard a little bit, but the okay, bits I okay. did, I really enjoyed a lot of the the prog rock rhythms in there, kind of the complex, really interesting beats and all of that kind of stuff where they they play certain accents and it's just that's just really fun for me. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. Uh, I yeah. I thought the little bit that I heard was fantastic and I will definitely be checking out more of this yeah it's a cool record so highly recommend it 1977 maybe fireflies don't love each other anymore or the italian version or of that but hi locanda della fate right yes nice the fairy inn so that's 1977 jumping into 1978 we just got two more drew oh oh where's the sound effect I know. I I don't know. I'll throw it in need, post. Yeah, you need to put it. In we'll post. fix it yeah. in post. Yeah, we'll fix it in post. Uh, so nineteen seventy eight. This is going to be the most dissimilar uh, record that is on yeah. this list. But I'm going to throw it out anyway. This is the Man Machine by Kraftwerk, nineteen seventy eight. So my love for synthesizers and electronica has led me to include this but i have good reason i wrote this down to make sure i said it correctly well actually let me just let me just say there i'll say this first the arrangements um 
if you compare them to other Kraftwerk records, are designed for some for easy listening. Uh, so the rhythms I think are more danceable. The song structures I think are more accessible as well. Um, I do think though that this is a timeless record. Anytime I hear this, I always think this this could be something straight out of Stranger Things, which is astounding to think that this was released in 1978. Like that's crazy to me. Um, but one could argue. I'm not saying this one, but one could argue that. This record made a pretty significant contribution to the innovation of electronic music, um, which would make it a pretty, you know, it's a, a fitting inclusion in a in a progressive list. So um, now I will say, if you're a fan of uh, motoric rhythms, uh, kraut rock, Can, um, we we covered Future Days by Can. Um, if you're a fan of uh, those types of bands or records or even subgenre. I would recommend giving this a listen. Um, it's a fun, it's a fun record. It has some really cool sounds in it. And again, if you're a fan of electronic music, uh, you're a fan of the electronic synthesizers used in stuff like Riverside, you'll enjoy this. Even even some of the um, the newer Stephen Wilson solo stuff, like the Future Bites and stuff, is they're kind of going back to these types of synthesizers that people were using. And uh, and refurbish, not refurbishing, but almost. Um, uh, what's the word? I guess just bringing them back to life, polishing you know, into reinvigorating yeah. them. Yeah, reinvigorating know. them back into some of the modern modern music. So, um, anyway, yeah, the Man Machine, Kraftwerk, nineteen seventy eight, cool record, fun record. Drew, did you have any thoughts on this? Have you heard this before? I have. Yeah, I've heard this in passing. I mean, you know, it's not anything that's going to blow your mind from like a, a virtuoso perspective. No, it's, it's, no. I mean, like you, like you're hearing, it's very simple rhythms. But yeah. that, but that's not the point. The whole point is, like you said, the the progressiveness of it comes through and the experimentation of the different sounds that they're employing here and that they're creating and manipulating. And so that's that's kind of their whole thing. And it is neat uh, when you listen to this record. It's it's very simple and very rhythmically repetitive. But what you're looking for is kind of the different, yeah, the different sounds that they're creating here and there and, yeah, creating kind of very simple, but still, I, I don't know if the word is effective, soundscapes. These, these yeah. ones that, like, place you sure. somewhere else, right? So, yeah, it's definitely progressive in that sense. And yeah. uh, they were absolutely, like you said earlier, pioneers of kind of a, an electronica sort of yeah. genre that we now know to that you know we now know today so i mean you know so if you're thinking of like daft punk or something i like daft punk a lot they definitely took inspiration from craft work i mean 100 so anyways yeah so on record yep. highly re highly recommend checking it out 1978 the man machine by Kraftwerk. dude i know we nailed it. that look at that we nailed that okay 1979 this is One of a Kind by Bill Bruford. So as the impeccable drummer, I'm using that word, the impeccable drummer of Yes and King Crimson, Bill Bruford now leads this phenomenal collection of jazz rock fusion with a lineup to die for. Good gracious. The album features Alan Holdsworth on guitar, Jeff Berlin on bass, Dave Stewart on keyboards. And if you're not familiar with Dave Stewart, because I know... Jeff Berlin and Alan Holdsworth are also two pretty big names. But if you're not familiar with Dave Stewart, he's he's known for his Canterbury kind of or his Canterbury bands. He was an Egg. He was also in uh, Hatfield in the North. 
So he's been around in, in those areas. Um, for any drummer, this record is a must hear. Like, must hear. It's so good. From the 1916 time signature opening of Monstrosity of Hell's Bells to the groove and feel of the Sahara of Snow, rhythmically, this record contains so much to enjoy, but more specifically to learn from. Um, which is part of the reason I really enjoyed listening to this is because I always hear something. I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm totally stealing that. Or, oh my gosh, I need to learn how to play that. Um, but melodically, this record is very dense too. Uh, the album features great players, but, and this is always a, this is always a thing, man. I, like when people, when you get a bunch of guys, or you call them super groups. Right. Yes. Yeah. Call them super groups. Yes. And I don't necessarily would say that this is like a super group. Like, I don't think people would say that it's like, oh, one of a kind. Yeah, it's by the super group roofer or whatever. It's, I don't know. Either way, I think there's almost like maybe an under undertone or an underlying expectation potentially that everybody just sits around for 47 minutes and just solos and just trade off solos and they just jam. Um, but that's not what this is at all. There are, there are solos, but the compositions on this record are very well constructed, they're very intelligent, and they're catchy. It's not just jam bands with a bunch of solos thrown on top of it. Like, there are good riffs, there's interchanging lines, there's dialogue happening between the musicians, um, and Bill Bruford just kind of glues it all together while also simultaneously leading and almost fronting the train. I mean, it's kind of awesome. Um, so if you're a fan of brand, uh, a fan of Brand X, uh, Weather Report, uh, Return uh-huh. to Forever, uh-huh. Jaco Pastorius, highly suggest giving this record a listen. It's great, and uh, I think I found out about this album from you. Yeah, if I'm mistaken, and we were uh, probably in high school. Yeah, no, this this is. I'm, I'm glad you put this on the list. This is one of my all time favorite records, oh, and honestly, so this is the one. This is the one that makes me say, I, I'm. This is the one that makes me say Bill Bruford is my second favorite drummer. He's Actually, what am I saying? Second? Great. No, 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 no. He is my first. My bad. I got that mixed up. Yeah, he's my favorite uh-huh. drummer. Um, I mean, that changes over time, right? I haven't like really gone back and like reassessed my list, but like for yeah. years, I was like Bill Bruford's my favorite, and I love his stuff on Yes. Don't get me wrong, absolutely adore it, which is part of what makes that decision what it is as him being number one. But honestly, what I look to when I think of Bill Bruford is this record. It's one of a kind. Yeah. It's unbelievable. Yeah. So this is something my dad showed me back in the day. Um, and really he showed me kind of a, a collection of, of songs from a couple of his, his solo records yeah. called Master Strokes. But a lot of that came off of one of a kind. A lot of those tracks were off of this record. And uh, dude, don't get me started. Like this record's so excellent, not just from a drumming perspective, which in and of itself is just, oh, yeah, will blow your mind like you were talking about. But it's, I mean, as a bass player, you've got Jeff Berlin on there and he's just blowing your mind. And then you've got Alan Holdsworth and yeah, the the keys that Dave Stewart employs. These compositions are so rich, but they're not, like you say, they're catchy too. So they're not so, they're not so uh, musically dense that it's just a bunch of theory being thrown up without any critical thought going into it. Because (laughs) let's be honest, sometimes jazz musicians can do that. They're just kind of look what I can do. And theoretically, quote unquote, this works or it's different or it's daring. Okay, cool. Like, cool. 
but does it sound good? Like, do, is there is yeah. there a cohesion yeah. among all of it, amongst all of this? Do, do all of these elements coalesce? And a lot of the times, jazz musicians just they, they don't do that, right? Because they're, a lot of times they're, they're improvising, so they want to have their you know their spot on in the light, in the limelight, and so they'll just do cool stuff without really thinking about how it coalesces. But this mm-hmm. has a lot of critical attention and detail put into all of these compositions, every piece of it, every solo. Oh, it's so good, man. Yeah, Don't even get me started about Fanning and Coils. Everyone go check out Fanning and Coils. Yeah. And the excerpts that he reads from Alice in Wonderland, that's amazing. It's yeah. so fun. Oh it's, man. It's a fun, it's a fun record. But yeah, jazz, jazz fusion for sure. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. If you're a fan of that, you'll love it. So and that's that's my list right there. Those are nine hey, albums. There you go. Um from 1970 to 1979. If you haven't heard any of these again. I hope I uh, potentially inspired you. I think probably the hardest thing about doing this list was that when I was sitting down and and constructing this, I was like, oh my gosh, how am I going to like do all of these in like five minutes? Like, how am I going to literally just talk about this album for five minutes without wanting to dive into like, oh my gosh, but you got to hear this and you, yeah. you really need to like check this out. So I don't know. It, so hopefully I would, I wasn't, uh, uh, too quick to move on, but I was like, I gotta, if I don't, <laughs> I'm literally going to start talking about this album for the next 20 minutes. And I didn't want this to be an hour and a half long episode <laughs> yeah. of just nine albums. So, um, yeah. So hopefully I inspired. Ten. It's 10 albums. Uh, sorry. It's 10 albums. Cause you include 19. Oh yeah. That, Cause I did 1970. Sorry. Yeah. Yep. So 10 records, 10 records. Sorry. Um, but yeah, hopefully, uh, you found something that you, enjoyed that's from the 1970s maybe we can do i don't know depending on if everybody enjoyed doing something like this maybe you might be able to put a list together of the 70s or i can do one of the 80s i don't know we can i don't know maybe this maybe this could be a thing not sure let us know leave a comment send us an email join our discord let us know there however you like to communicate send us a message on instagram i don't care but thank you for listening i appreciate it do do you appreciate it I, I do. I appreciate. Thank, thank you appreciate for listening. It. Yeah, we appreciate. It. Oh, I appreciate it. Oh, I appreciate it. Oh my goodness. Okay. Well, thanks for listening, everybody. That's that's all that we have for you on this bonus episode of Prog Notes. If you enjoyed the episode, have a new record that you're gonna check out because of this episode. Subscribe. Let us know which one it was, and uh, join us next time as we discover the past, present, and future of Prague Rock. We will see you all soon. Thanks. Thanks. Thanks.